Snowball Spark. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now, here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And a good Garrison Financial Friday out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. Hopefully we see that door open here just a little bit, but uh, I don't know if Scott's coming or not. It's too cold. Maybe too cold, too windy. Golly. It's going to be cold in the morning. Out at the ECGCC. For the baseball boosters oh, darn, golf tournament, that is tomorrow. it's been it's been awesome weekends, and now not this one. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be rough. Fifty and rainy. Yikes! That the the saving grace is Jared. The wind isn't supposed to be blowing hardly at all. So I have planned for Saturday night a little watch party in the big barn with an inflatable screen and projector for game two, and I'm oh, wondering yeah? how cool it's going to be in there. It has a heater, but it's really loud. I think if the wind's not blowing, but here's the problem though. Sometimes Saturday evening into sun, depending on the timing of where we're at, that's when it's really going to get cold. Because right. there's another front coming. Yeah. Oh, this, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is just yeah. like the appetizer. Sunday, you don't want to go outside. Yeah, it's going to be cold Sunday. It's going to be cold. Uh, but we are here. As I mentioned, it's Garrison Financial Friday on the Skinny on Sports. We'll talk college football at the end of the show. Is this OU's toughest game left? Oklahoma State looking to avoid a look ahead to what I'm sure OSU fans feel like is the toughest game left on OSU on OU schedule next week. Can the Cowboys' newfound run game pierce the defensive front of Cincinnati? Cincinnati's not very good, but their defensive line is. Mm-hmm. OU run the I mean, is that over? Is the defense vulnerable? We're hearing a little bit of that after what we saw a little bit last week. Elsewhere around the Big 12, I think a lot of eyes are going to be fixed on Austin, Texas to see what Malik Murphy can do in, in Quinn Ewers' absence. And also, of course, there's that one million pound gorilla standing on the sideline wearing number 10 named Darch Manning and how that could affect things. Around the country, Utah, Oregon. That's, I'm interested to see what happens in that game. Man, every week Pac-12 is giving us a great game. Every and it's going to listen, and it, it ain't going to ever going to stop. It's going to happen all the way through the end of the season. This one, you know, obviously, or, or uh, Utah could push USC around up front, way more physical. I don't know if they can do that to the Ducks. The Ducks are a little bit different animal than USC. That's exciting. High school football tonight. What are the playoff implications for the games around here? What are the big games around the state that have playoff implications for the teams around here? Let's talk about uh, the high school football coming up on Friday night, week nine. Next to last, the penultimate, as they say, regular season week of the high school football season. Uh, I've got some numbers. I was going to quiz you guys. Did, did you listen yesterday? I was hunched over with stomach pain Okay, so, so I'm sorry I did at not. At the first of the week, I had asked, like, how long has it been? Or, or I guess maybe it was Wednesday. How long has it been since we've had a World Series kind of this surprising? Oh, right. Yeah. I found the answer. Like with one? No, with both. I know. I know that. One World Series, though. Yes, like yes. The, okay. what, or the, the, yeah, it was, hard, it was easy to find one team, but not two no, teams yeah. at the so, same time. Yes. So both of these teams, I, I went back, and actually ESPN Sets showed me this. I'm not going to lie where I found it. That's where I found it. But both of these teams were 50 to 1 or worse to win the World Series preseason. The Rangers were 50 to 1. The Diamondbacks were 125 to 1. When do you think the last World Series was where both teams were 50 to 1 or worse to win? Our listeners know the answer because I told them on Wednesday. Oh, okay. But I'm asking you. you Yesterday or Wednesday? Wednesday. Because wasn't the last, didn't, yeah, the. The Rangers won on Monday. The Diamondbacks won on Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, it must have been yesterday then. No, no, no. Yeah. Because yeah, I asked you, you didn't tell me. I asked yeah. you Wednesday. I found it yesterday. That's right. Gotcha. This is Friday. So yeah, the, the listeners know what the answer is. We'll see if what if you can think of it. Okay. And then as you, I'll, I'll give you to. I'll, I'll tell you the answer in the last segment. 
If you don't know by the middle segment, at the end of the middle segment, I'll give you the same hint I gave the listeners, and that hint allowed one of them to get it. Okay. So. I, I have okay, what's your a guess? guess, but. What is it? You want it right now? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, 97. That's I remember it. that Florida Marlins team, or whatever. Yeah, they're Florida Marlins yeah, back then Marlins. against Cleveland. That's right. And that was uh, yeah, but Clee had been in the World Series in '95, in the playoffs in '96. They, they came yeah. in at a, and I'm looking at it. I'm not remembering this as an '86 win team. You kind of think, well, what were their projections before the season? The only winning '86 games did they let everybody down, or were they get on a heater? And, and then, of course, Mar- the the Marlins winning it uh, in, in seven on the bottom of the ninth didn't they i, mean, uh, I actually I, think that might have went to extra innings i i think you might be right if, if not 11 bottom innings, of, I, 11 say, innings. I think I'm that sorry. was an extra I'm inning sorry game. it was 11 innings but point is i remember thinking man this florida team that was just created like three years ago yeah and here they are i bet you they might have been they were good though golly do you, know, you remember who they got, got good yeah they went but i think well my but the question is at the start right. of the season what mm-hmm. were their chances i'm not seeing it i don't know where to find that but that was my only guess so i i kept finding other teams but i couldn't find their mate their opponent that also had those long odds do you remember who got the game winning a world series winning hit for in, the marlins in that 97 one uh-huh. no again i remember watching i remember staying up late and watching it there's a bonus question since the listeners already know the answer to the first question who was the player that got the the uh, world series winning hit for the marlins in the bottom of the 11th it was a shortstop i can tell you that I mean, just to let everybody know, I do know the answer. I do remember exactly who it was, beyond the shadow of any doubt, I think. <clears throat> it's one of those that we're going to have to trust my memory as the guide to having the answer, but I'm pretty sure I do know the answer to this one. All right, so World Series. Question for Scott and you was going to, going to be, what do you think the economic impact is to the city for a World Series game. So the city of Arlington, city of Phoenix, or you know wherever it's actually located, it may be Glendale or whatever. I think it's actually downtown, so it's going to go Phoenix. But what is the estimated economic impact of one World Series game to the city? I could have told you what the economic impact to my wallet would have been. I looked into it. Holy I know moly. somebody's going. They got room for one more? Yeah, uh, don't think so. <laughs> But less than what you what you had described. They are in Phoenix, by the way. Yeah, I thought so. Like six hundred. Oh, you're going less for that, or yeah, going right? Six hundred for that amount. Yeah. Tonight. Uh, tomorrow, I think. Tomorrow. See, I saw tickets for tonight around that range. Okay. Because I think it's a Friday thing. Saturday, more people are able to get away and go. I don't know. Saturday, yeah, I don't know. It's World Series. They're going to be expensive. Yeah. Right, oh, I can... looked. I looked. We looked. We 100% considered it. So what do you think? Per the economic impact? Per game to per the game. city. Oh, man. I'm horrible with this. It's it's going to be good. I mean, you're talking about hotel rooms, obviously ticket sales, merch, food, I mean, gas. You're talking about all of it. The impact is enormous. Especially for a major metropolitan area like the DFW, like Phoenix, Glendale. I don't know, man. I'm, again, I'm horrible with this. Is it in the B's? No, no, no. no, no not no. that much. No, 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 no. No, no. How about per game? Per game. I'm going to embarrass myself. 50 million? Not that much. That's how much it could be for the whole series if you get four of them. Oh really? Twelve to fourteen million. Here's why I think it's less than what you think. Because it's at somebody's home. Whereas like the Super Bowl sure, you, yeah, you got yeah. everybody you got has to travel. Exactly. Coming in. Whereas here you've got most people are at home. Now they'll go out and eat or whatever. Right. But let's what is the what is what does the park hold? Fifty? Forty five? Forty? thousand people well how many of those are going to be coming from arizona two grand at mo- i mean you know yeah. what I'm saying? it's not a ton i think that's why those numbers i was kind of surprised because i was thinking it's going to be higher as well uh but because of 
the nature of it, you don't get as many travelers mm-hmm. as you would for a lot of the other the other things that we think about in this regard. Now, for the entire series, and this was this was off of last year. What do you think that uh, financial boon was for the winning team, which was Houston last year, and the losing team, which was Philly last year? Just the organization. How much did it help the, the organization? How much money they just, basically what they made off of the World Series for winning and what they made off the World Series for losing. Oh, again, I'm horrible with this. Um, this one like, shocked me. The, it's more than you think? Uh, more than I would have thought. Because again, ticket sales, merchandise sales. I guess that's the thing you got to stadium, think of, yeah. and I mean, you're getting extra games to sell hot dogs. Well, you know, we, we we've always heard <clears throat> that for every NBA playoff game, like the Thunder, in like first round, and it, it kind of stair stepped up depending on how far they got in the playoffs. We always heard it was like a million to a million and a half per game, gravy train that the, like cleared money. For every game, right? Mm-hmm. And so, if you if you obviously if you had seven game series and were the home team every time, you'd have four of those at let's say a million and a half. That's eight million. No, that's six million. And then you'd go another step up, say to two. You know, whatever it was. I mean, you, you could end up getting it to a certain level. This is similar to that, but it's just one series, just the World Series. Okay, thirty five mil is what the Astros made off of the Man. World Series last year. It's a lot of trash cans. Man. 35 million, 24 million guaranteed to as the loser for Philly. That's an amazing amount of money. Did you say this is this a payout from the league or is this It's just I it, I just it's just, just a financial what it, yes. Financial impact. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't know if the league gave out a I'm sure there's stipend a, for winning. I'm sure clubs do like hey, you you get right. a, this is your bonus for winning the World Series. And there Series. might be a there might be a little bit of that mixed in from the MLB, who knows? So tonight, the Aces, this has worked out pretty well pitching-wise for both sides. Their Aces are going. True. Gallon for uh, Arizona, Nathan Uvalde for the Texas Rangers. Uvalde is 4-0 and this postseason. If he gets the win tonight, he does something that nobody has ever done in the history of baseball. And that is win your first five postseason starts. That's incredible. When you do something, I say this every time when we talk about especially baseball, it can be good or it can be bad, either one. But when you do something that nobody else has ever done, that's an amazing accomplishment, even if it's something that's bad. If it, you know what I mean? Even mm-hmm. if it's striking out 10 straight times or whatever. But uh, that's, that's crazy uh, to think that nobody's ever – you know, with all the dominant pitching that we've seen throughout the years, nobody's ever been able to win the first five. And now, you know, heck, somebody might have thrown a gym. And that's the thing about baseball: you're in you're in position to win, and then the bullpen blows it, and you don't you don't get the win. And even though you pitch great, right? Uh, but that hadn't happened yet to him. That's pretty crazy. He's been fantastic, but um, it, and you know, I could break it down and go into it over and over again, but it's. Credit the bats. I mean, because he's he's keeping the other teams at bay, and the bats are, you know, that's a team sport too. But uh, it's he's a big part of it. I mean, obviously, you can't have good pitching and not go this far. I mean, you have to have good pitching, great starters. So makes me nervous though, because you feel like something's got to give. Yeah, who's the best player in the series? Seager. That's what the so there was a <laughs> list. Kylie McDaniel made of fifty two all fifty two players and ranked them, and Corey Seager was the best. According to him, his now my wife would yell, "No, no, no! It's Garcia," because she loves the guy. He yeah. was the best pitcher last or best player last series, but overall, because of Seager and his experience, and he's been here, and I think he's going to have a great series. I really do. I'll say him. Yeah, and so that was without looking at this list. I, I would have said this before that list. Yeah, Seager's one. Corbin Carroll is two. Agreed. Uh, their their two their wars are amazingly close, uh, but you know he was he's fantastic. He's going to be the rookie of the year, probably a top five MVP voting as a rookie in the National League. Corbin Carroll. Then you then you get to Garcia, 
and then you get to Cattell Marte. Golly, what is that stat? Marte, he's got is he the is he the one that's never not had a hit in a playoff game? It seems like when he doubled down the line, that that popped up there. So he's got to be. He was the NLCS MVP. And then it's got Simeon. And then, surprisingly enough, the only pitcher in the top six, which is quote unquote elite players on this list, is Zach Gallon. Hmm. I mean, okay. But I, I mean, I look at the two and two record in the postseason. I, I, but and that's all the whole that, thing. I don't. This I don't, is this is all year, all encompassing. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. I don't, this isn't just kind of ranking how they've done in the postseason. This is, you know, the entire the, the entirety of the year, postseason included, into it. Is how this gets to uh, to this list. So that's an even three and three, three Rangers, three Diamondbacks. Here's where the separation starts. Is where you go down to very good players. The next four are all Rangers. And that'd be Josh Young, Evan Carter, Evaldi, and uh, Jonah Heim. So, out of the top ten players in this series, according to Kylie McDaniel, seven of the ten are Texas Rangers. And I think that's when you go through the lineups. I think one through nine, the Rangers lineup scares you way more than Arizona's does. Whoever the pitcher might be, you know what I'm saying? If you were choosing to pitch to one of these two teams, you 1 million percent would rather pitch to Arizona than Texas because of the depth of lineup mm-hmm. all the way through. I mean, there's, we saw Tavares even hit a home run in the playoffs at the nine spot. You know what I mean? Right. They, they just, it, it seems like every guy that comes up, you're thinking, dang, that guy can hit all the way through the Rangers lineup. I think that's the difference. I do think that there's probably a, depth of pitching similar obviously the, the the bullpen edge goes to Arizona starting edge maybe to Texas I don't know Merrill Kelly that fought guy he was good that rookie that fought for Arizona in game seven he was good but this just feels like it's the Rangers time to win their first World Series well according to Vegas they got them like a 63 a, and a half yeah, percent it's, it's chance a, of winning it Vegas says Rangers in five. I'm not going that far. That that caught my eye yesterday. I, that's what all I did yesterday in bed was uh, I would Google World Series picks and I would kind of keep a tally in my mind. Okay, they think this, they think this. And the majority I see is, is leaning towards Rangers. There's an argument for Diamondbacks, but it just it, – I don't want to be that pompous and say, well, it's their time, you know. I don't believe – I think what we're seeing here is really cool is is two teams, we mentioned in the opener, just completely unlikely to be here. So anything can happen is what I see. You know, anything can happen with these two teams because of the improbability of both these teams being in this World Series, which makes it that more intriguing for me. But if, you, if you're asking me today, and I'll, I'll give it to you, without looking at the rundown, I'm sure we're going we're gonna to figure it out. But uh, I, I said Rangers in six. I put a lot of thought into it. I think Rangers in six. I think that's exactly what I was going to say too. I, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I just golly, I, I know. That I think they get this home losing thing bugaboo out of their system. They almost did it a week ago in that crazy all timer of a game against Houston in Game Five. So I I I think they actually come out and take care of business tonight. They might split tonight, but I think they're or this series the first two. But I lean on the starting pitching which has been fantastic in this postseason run, coupled with the bats, that is hitting's infectious. You saw that in Game 7 with Houston. But I also lean on, forgive me for not knowing everybody on Arizona's team that has World Series experience, but Seager does. Scherzer does. I lean on that stuff. And I think these young guys feed off of that stuff with Carter and Young and I think they feed off of knowing these these guys are going to lead them with that experience. So that's why I, no disrespect to Arizona's awesome. I, I love Carroll. I love that guy. I think mm-hmm. he's great, and and I love this story. And I but and I'm not trying to pick this with my heart. I'm trying to look at everything what I just said. So that's why I lean Rangers in six. Yeah, just kind of off of the top of my head, 
thinking about guys and looking down through. So Seager's been in a World Series. Anybody else? Scherzer. Scherzer, yeah, obviously. Is it just yeah, going off the top of my is head? Is it too. just Evan Longoria on the other side? Yeah, Tampa Bay, right? I, I, yeah, for sure. Is he the? I mean, you know, sometimes there's a bunch. Some of these relievers are on there, and you forget all about them. But there, truth be told, there's not much. There's not a ton on either side. Not really. And, and you know what's crazy? It happened in different times of the year, with Carroll being there the whole year. But I, I think the youth. And one on each side has really kind of sparked these teams. Carroll on one side and Evan Carter on the Rangers side. I think you can draw a direct line back to Houston sweeping Texas in Arlington toward the end of the regular season, and immediately Carter gets brought up the next series, and he played the last twenty-three, and now he's played in every post. I mean, he's been in every every postseason game. I think that was a spark that that Texas really needed coming off of, of getting swept by Houston in that in that regular season series. So it's it's kind of weird. It's, there's a mixture, a, a bunch of young guys, but there's some older guys, a little bit of experience. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's – chalk me up for the New Blood World Series. Oh, yeah. Any other – you got any guesses? Oh, no. The last time – both World Series combatants were 50 to 1 or, or worse. Uh, 94. Oh, wait. It's not 1994. <laughs> there wasn't a World Series then, Jared. We'll be back on a Garrison Financial Friday. Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018, and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs, as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside the specific state's reference. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice. The Skinny on Sports. Welcome back. Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal. It's a Garrison Financial Friday. Appreciate Scott. Unable to join us today, but, man, he does it all. Garrison Financial is at 124 North Main right here in Elk City. Always get, it's the northeast corner of 3rd and Main. Right there. When you stop at the stoplight, if you're going north on Main, you look straight east and you see his building right there. He can do all your financial planning, full financial planning. He'll shop the open market to bring you the best value on your life insurance and your investments. If you're one of those people uh, that just kind of a hands-off approach, uh, he'll manage your investments. Or if you're more of a hands-on, you're just not sure how to get started, he can charge you by the hour to build you a plan that then you can take over and manage from there. Scott at SoonerWealth.com is his email address. 124 North Main is his address. And then 580-821-1219 if you want to get a hold of him on the horn. Scott at SoonerWealth.com. It's Scott Garrison. It's Garrison Financial Friday. All right, Jared, just two more irregular season weeks here in the high school football schedule tonight the big elks solidify their spot as second in district 4a1 which carries with it a home playoff game in a couple of weeks and then in position if something extremely rare were to happen to clinton which no one thinks it's going to but i guess at worst a win tonight puts you second gives you at least one round at home in the playoffs and also, a win tonight may give you a chance if you've got some nicks and bruises or whatever. You know, next week's game becomes meaningless in the grand scheme of things. And so, you know, if you if you wanted to take the opportunity to 
kind of heals some some bumps and bruises, you'd have that opportunity as well. Yeah, so big, very big tonight to, I guess, protect home field. It's something that's kind of gone to the wayside because of uh, Woodward's struggles, but this is kind of a rivalry game. I kind of alluded to that with Coach on Wednesday. It, you know, the obvious rivals are are Clinton and Weatherford, but this one's like a nasty. I mean, when when both these teams are are good or at the same level, that you got some really nasty games, and um, so there's always that, but. Uh, I know Woodward has struggled. So, again, it's just a matter of, of taking care of what you can take care of and, 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 and doing – you know, we, we, we know the quality of team that's coming here. So, I, I think it's an opportunity is what we're, we're saying. Win one of the next two, and you'd like to win this one first at home in front of your home crowd on senior night. And then, like you said, it really makes things, I guess, mentally easier next week on the road at Taft Stadium against John Marshall. And you don't, you know, maybe play a quarter of your guys and then call off the dogs, hopefully, if it's a big lead. But um, I think they'll they'll be okay tonight. And then, like you said, you know, get get healthy. You know, we're, there, it is that time of year. You're going to have your nicks, your bruises, your and all that stuff. You want to, But you don't want to lose momentum, too, counterpoint mm-hmm. to all that stuff about setting guys. You don't want to lose rhythm and momentum going into the playoffs. So I just come out, play perfect football, Keep it clean, uh, penalty-wise, which I still think is a thing that the Big Elks can work on a little bit, and they'll be okay. Yeah, this game last year, similar position except for the Elks were trying to win the district. Mm-hmm. And it drug on. They didn't handle it very well. Uh, you know, there was multiple injuries in this game up there at Woodward last year. I remember that. And a big part of it was because the Elks were still having to play in the third and even early fourth quarter i mean it, it, and heck even woodward is playing to the very end scoring trying to score points to make it a closer game um and, and so for me if you come out and you execute the way that, that that you're taught to and you know just just be done with it right be done with it at halftime and move on it would be the goal for me and it's going to be you know, the weather seems – I actually think it's going to get nicer as the day goes on. The wind's going to kind of stop blowing, and by the time game time rolls around, it's supposed to be a pretty dang nice evening. Maybe even in the mid to upper 60s this afternoon with sun. And, you know, it's going to be – it's going to end up being a pretty nice day by the time it's all said and done. Um, Curious about the wind. The wind is the one that – and it. When I read the weather yesterday, it said kind of diminishing as the day went along. We'll see if that really holds true. I'm not so sure that the that the front didn't get here a little bit sooner than they thought, which to me would make it even more likely that the wind would subside at some point here as that stuff blows through. But we'll see what happens once we get there Says uh, this evening. Kickoff, clear skies, 57. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get the temperatures you get at the end of October. Mm-hmm. You can, I can tolerate any temperature as long as it's not windy. So That's right. If the wind lays down, yeah, and it's, it'll be a beautiful night. And it's not supposed to have much wind tomorrow either, so that would lead you to believe that the wind will start to kind of lay down as, as the day goes along. So we'll see what what actually happens, but uh, it's just a it's one of those, and, and I think last year might even help being in a similar situation, maybe not win in the district, but at least in that spot where you know you can clinch what you can clinch right here tonight take care of business a little bit better than what happened last year and uh, and start you know moving forward through this game. Like I said, Woodward just struggled. It's, it is what it is. Man, when I was typing up there, kind of looking at their two deep and getting that all ready, they are playing so many young dudes. I'm, I'm talking like freshmen, young, young, young. Is it out of necessity for injury or just There's that's diff- who they've got? There's different guys than maybe what – what the two deep was for Weatherford. What 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 I saw, you know, it's it's maybe a little bit different, and so I don't know if it's injury or, or, but golly, they're young. I mean, young, 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 young. So that would obviously probably play into the Oaks' advantage. At the same time, young people don't you know they don't know any better. Who knows, you know? And and you're right, the rivalry that is that exists between these two, it's different than the others. And I think we saw that last year in this game. Woodward wasn't just going to lay down because Elk City was here. You know, they fought tooth and nail mm-hmm. throughout the entirety of the 48 minutes, and I expect every bit of that tonight as well. The Elks just need to execute and, and do what they've been doing. Uh, Clinton on the road at Cash tonight. They can sew everything up in the district. 
two home games, district champs with the win down at Cash. You know, Cash is the team of, of everybody inside District 4A1 and maybe even Weatherford now. But the, the Cash team we saw on Big Elk Stadium that night was a shell of what that Cash team could have and should have been because of injuries to key guys. I'm sure Weatherford doesn't want to hear it right now either. But at that time, you know, you'd watch the film, you'd watch their games before, and you'd see Muldowney, an excellent running back. And then when we saw him here, obviously he was hobbled, didn't, you know, just didn't get the ball much. And then Harbin went down with that ankle during the game here. And it feels like Cash has just been a totally different team. Maybe not as, maybe not as, uh, as potent for an, uh, as ripe for an upset opportunity as they would have been. But even so, I, it just feels like Clinton has their, has their recipe down. And that is play amazingly good defense and score when they can score. You know, it's just, this is kind of what they're doing, right? They're kind of a grind it out, stop you up front. You know, maybe bend don't break is a good way to describe them because they've given up drives, but teams are finding it incredibly hard to score with inside the red zone. It's like, okay, we want you in the red zone because that limits what you can do and it, it improves on what we can do. Yeah, you, want, you wonder, thinking back to that Heritage Hall game, when you, when you see it, Heritage Hall was scoring from way out. Right. What happens if they're able to maybe trip somebody up inside the 10 and then in that confined space, all we've seen in the district – is it incredibly tough to score on Clinton in the red zone? Yeah. And, the, and it feels like the closer you get to the goal line, the harder it gets to actually be able to do it. And, and I go back to that that game and Coach Higby putting those, putting those two guys back at the safety spots for more experience and senior leadership. That's Sully and that's Garrison Rhodes getting those guys back. That, that seems to have kind of that, – that was the answer to the secondary problems early on. Yes, and Sully's kind of coming to his own, especially on defense. That was a good move for them. He's played really well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you'll probably see a lot of uh, catch have success moving the ball. But, you know, I saw this thing. It, it was funny. We bring, we bring this up. I saw it on Twitter where a Texas fan was trying to point out that uh, OU's uh, overall defensive rank was in the 50s. But everyone's pointing out, but their scoring defense is a top 15. They're, they're preventing people from scoring. I mean, what's more important, giving up yards or not letting a team light up the scoreboard? I think we know the answer to that, and that's what Clinton's kind of doing. They're, they're not letting people score. Yeah, even when they do give up yards, which they don't give up a ton of them anyways, but you're right. It, it just gets so much harder. They, they just have that, that toughness, and they'll hit you. And uh, I would imagine <clears throat> we'll be talking about – um, uh, to me, when we come in here on Monday, we'll be talking about Clinton one, Elk City two, Weatherford three, and then Cash and Chickasha are going to play for the fourth spot. And that's, you know, honestly for Cash, it's kind of the bummer, right? Even if they pull off the upset, they can still miss the playoffs because it mm. doesn't matter. <laughs> Next week is all that matters for them. Correct. Outside yeah. outside of a huge upset by John Marshall over Weatherford, which we don't think will happen. It's at Weatherford. Because they'll finish, they'll finish their. They actually finish tonight because they've got a week ten bye, which couldn't come at a better time for them. They need to get healthy. They need to heal up some of those guys that we didn't see last week. If they beat John Marshall, they got two losses. Even if Cash were to win, they could still. And Chickasha doesn't. Chickasha's uh, played last night out of district. Right. So it's coming down to Cash and Chickasha, no matter what. Basically, yeah. Next week for that final spot. In 4A1. All right, 4A2, which is the you know the opponents in the first round for the teams that make the playoffs for these two districts. Huge night in 4A2. You've got Blanchard. Blanchard's in the same position that Clinton is. Win one of the last two, and they are the district champ. So they get uh, Bethany tonight at home and then go to Tex- uh, Tecumseh. Newcastle travels to Tuttle. The the top four all play each other this week. And so if you don't realize how this sets up, so if Clinton is the district champ, they'll play the fourth team out of 4A2. The Big Elk says the second team would play the third team out of 4A2. 
and you can see where this is headed. Weatherford as a third team would go to number two. The Cash Chickasha winner as the fourth seed would go to number one. And so there's really nothing decided yet whatsoever in that district. And a Bethany upset of Blanchard even makes it more troublesome to figure out. Now, one of Tuttle and Newcastle obviously is going to have two losses. Actually, it doesn't, I guess, because one of Bethany and it's Beth, Bethany, Tuttle, and Newcastle, they're, they all have a, they all play each other. Newcastle plays Tuttle tonight. Newcastle plays Bethany next week. So they, they can't finish with multiple teams with one loss. No. They can't. No. Oh, these next this tonight next week. Yeah, gonna... they can. Who? Yeah, they can. If Tuttle wins tonight, they'll stay at one loss. If Bethany wins tonight, now Blanchard, Bethany, and Tuttle all have one loss. With Bethany playing Newcastle next week. Tuttle and Blanchard next week games are layups. So if you end up with Blanchard, Tuttle, Bethany, then you've got a three-way tie where everybody beat everybody. So then you go to points. Did you say Blanchard, Tuttle, Bethany? So if Newcastle... If Tuttle beats Newcastle and Tuttle and Newcastle loses to Bethany next week. And assuming Bethany beats... Would have beats to beat Blanchard. Blanchard right, right. Beat them. Yeah, that's the way you could end up with three teams three with teams one loss. Right there. Otherwise, it's impossible. Because even if Blanchard were to beat Bethany, or I mean, Bethany beat Blanchard and Newcastle beat Tuttle, well, next week Newcastle and, and Bethany play. So, I mean, Bethany's fourth right now. There's, there's a way where they win the district. There is a way, yeah. They have to have Newcastle beat Tuttle tonight, and they have to beat Bethany, uh, they have to beat Blanchard and Newcastle. Because then it comes down to a two-way tie between Bethany and Blanchard with one loss, and Bethany would hold the tie break because they won tonight. So, I mean, they can still win the district. Jeez. That's... If the top two win, it'll be more obvious. Blanchard will be the district champ. Tuttle will be locked into second. If Newcastle or even if Bethany wins, then it's who the heck knows. But even if Blanchard wins and then Newcastle wins, it probably means Tuttle's coming here, right? Because Newcastle would that have would put them at two losses, four and two. Newcastle would be five and one. Bethany would be four and two. And then you'd have that game next week. I guess if Bethany beat Newcastle, then you've got a three-way tie for second where everybody beat everybody. <laughs> and their points are one different right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's, it's wild. There's still lots and lots and lots for 4A2 to be decided. And then, of course, the biggest game in the state, according to the Oklahoman, in all classes on the high school football field tonight, is Poto and Ada. Ada goes to Poto tonight. Both teams 8-0, both teams 5-0 and in District 4. Why do we care about Poto and Ada? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> because whoever wins this game is the likely opponent if the Elks are able to move into the second round of the playoffs. A trip to Ada or a trip to Poto would await if Elk City could figure out a way to beat whoever they play in the first round of the playoffs. So that's why we'll have our eyes on that one. Go Ada? Just I don't know. because it's a shorter trip. I don't know. We'll have to ask Mr. Sparks just how good that eating place is at Poto. If it's yeah. worth an, if it were if it's worth an extra what forty five minutes or so of drive, hour, whatever. Yeah. Because I know a good spot on the way to Ada, and you know we ate at that. Well, last time we were in Ada a couple years ago, we found that little that little. It was a hole in the wall. Right. It was good. It was very good. It was very good. Kind of international flavor to it. It, Yeah, it had like a, a southern charm to it. Yes. 
Yeah. Like a southern slash international flavor. Yeah. I don't know how we found it. I don't even we remember. We randomly it, were driving. A, I don't even remember what it was called. There's a place. I forget what it was called. And you could tell she had just started, like she was just started this restaurant. Yeah, it was right out of COVID. Because there was maybe three or four items on the menu, mm-hmm. but they were, you, you didn't, you couldn't go wrong. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. All right, that's high school football. Of course, we'll have wall-to-wall football tonight. Big Elk TV, the Elks and Woodward. Got Hooker coming down to Merritt. Also, Paragon, that's on Paragon TV. And then Hollis. Don't forget about the Hollis Tigers. Tigers head to Shattuck. Face the Indians tonight. That's also 7 o'clock. Paragon TV will be back with college football. Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018, and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs, as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside the specific States referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice. The skinny on sport. We've come too far. There's too much to lose. We've got to just keep our composure. Welcome back. Skinny on sports, 98.1 FN, the sports animal. Okay, Jared. Are you ready to know the answer? Yes, I'm anxiously waiting to. The last I guess time, was 97. That was wrong. The last time the World Series featured two teams that were 50 to 1 or greater to win the season to win to win the world series to start the season 1991 minnesota twins against the atlanta braves if you remember both teams went worst to first in their divisions that year minnesota was 80 to 1 the braves were 200 to 1 i forgot to give you the hint the hint would have been you'll hear from a guy on one of those teams tonight. Joe Morgan? John Smoltz. John Smoltz. Yes. Morgan's not on the broadcast. No. John Smoltz. He was on one somewhere one time. Anyways. Yeah. So that's what it is. The Braves and the Twins back in 1991. The last time we had a World Series kind of this surprising in the betting markets. As the season started. All right, college football. Is this Oklahoma's toughest remaining game at Kansas tomorrow? I would say maybe if it it appears that Jalen Daniels will not play. And he seems like the X factor. OU still has problems with the quarterbacks that are mobile. Well, Jason Bean can run. He can run, but but I'm – I think Daniels, he's clearly the better quarterback or he'd be playing in this game if he wasn't hurt. Um, so I'd say no. I think I think Bedlam is the toughest. I think OSU's trajectory is going up and Kansas is kind of plateaued. So I'm going to go with, with uh, Bedlam. That's why I think it's the toughest game left. Although I've been, and I know, BYU is not good. They're, they're, they just haven't been good. But something about going to Provo scares me as an OU fan. Something about it just scares me. TCU coming to Norman on a Friday night does not. I think the place will be ready to go. But I'm always kind of have that one in the back of my mind, the BYU, at BYU game. But uh, because it's last Bedlam, OSU is finding a lot of positive momentum. Their, their fan base, they're like, oh, okay, this is, you know. And they have, I think, the best running back in the league right now. So, I think uh, Bedlam is is the toughest task left for OU, uh, but Kansas will be tough. Don't I'm not trying to overlook them, but I think not playing Daniels is a thing. I really want to say yes, just because it is the last Bedlam, and that's going to be. I, you're not going to get 
a team sleepwalking on either side there. And that, and to me, that means if, if they both play their best, Oklahoma wins that game. But this, this is a spot where it, it almost – Look my, ahead? Maybe, but it does in, – in and here's the thing. The, the conditions aren't supposed to be very conducive to throw the ball, which means Oklahoma's got to figure out a way to stop the run. Kansas is the 94th best run defense in the country, but UCF was like 125 – well, on the other side, OU's got to figure out a way to run the ball. That's what I'm saying. No, no, no. That's you what said, I mean. I thought you said stop the run. No, no, oh. no. Kansas can't stop the run. But OU can't run it. Right. So, yeah, their their defense is 94th against the run. But Oklahoma's run offense it got going at the end of that game. This isn't a this isn't a group of five opponent. This is a team that's been in the Big 12 that has more depth than those teams do. I think that's the secret in these games where – a traditional big team, Big Twelve team, plays one of the new guys. I think you see the new guys wear out because they don't have the depth yet built through the recruiting to a, to a school like that. I think that's a big yeah. part of why we were seeing these things happen. So I would tend to say yes because of Kansas's explosiveness, the way that you know Oklahoma State's offense is more here it is, stop it. You know what I'm saying, especially with the running game with Gordon. This one's a little bit more of the Malzahn kind of get your eyes going the wrong way. We saw it against OSU. How many? I mean, the biggest guy, one of the biggest guys on the field, was running right down the middle of the field, wide open. Nobody even saw him because they were looking somewhere else. And we saw OU be very susceptible to that in the back end last week. And I just conditions. That stadium is also, even though it's sold out, it's always kind of a sleepy spot. I don't know. And I just can't, and this is no offense to anybody wearing orange and black, I just can't possibly imagine Oklahoma with the dominance they've had in Bedlam losing the last one when it's that important. I think why I answered OSU is because I'm just comparing, app. I mean, past results. OSU played Kansas better. I mean, they beat they beat Kansas and if I'm also looking at, well, this, yes, at Lawrence, and they're obviously a better team what they have been in the past. But um, is it more so of them being the tougher opponent because of OU looking ahead, and what, or is it because Kansas is better than OSU? I, I, I that's why I kind of answered OSU. But I get what you're saying. I mean, when you get best on best with OU versus OSU, OU's the better team. It's, it's or it has been. Yeah, Looks it had, like it. Yeah. And maybe it's uh, in the the whole last bedlam thing. Sure, that, that's that's going to get everybody's attention. And maybe OSU's like, man, we we need to stop saying that this is the last bedlam because now it's it's waking OU up. They don't want to get him. They don't want to lose it. Just yeah, like it's like we don't want to lose him. It's and, and weird that's when you get that intensity drawn up. It's yeah. weird how three weeks ago, I don't know if anybody wanted to play bedlam. <laughs> right. I'm. You know. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Oh, you've been scared to death to lose to the worst OSU team since. Bob Simmons in the last one, right? And yeah. and OSU didn't want to play because they didn't think they could they could win the game. And now all of a sudden it's starting to get get some heat. And hopefully, uh, who do you think's more susceptible to a look ahead spot here? Yeah, that's a good one. Maybe OSU. Then this is where I go to compare Kansas to Cincinnati because of their record, Cincinnati is not good. So maybe there's that where they're going in. And plus, it's homecoming. There's a lot of distractions there. It could be a, a – yeah. I, I, that's where I'd kind of go, just because of the quality of their opponent. I'm the same way. I, I think – I actually, though, think homecoming helps, not hurts, up there. To I, I think it helps. Otherwise, if it was just Cincinnati coming in on a normal Saturday and not a homecoming Saturday, I think all week long, instead of making, instead of putting up your house decks and getting involved, you'd have been talking about Bedlam mm-hmm. for a whole two weeks. I think this actually helps that helps in that regard a little bit. Maybe more the fans and the players, but I, I just think it, it does. But I, I agree. I think OSU is way more possibly looking ahead because of that opponent. What about the rest of the Big 12? 
What do you want? Interesting. Man, you Texas, tomorrow? Texas BYU, it absolutely. We we mentioned that too earlier. Is how that interests me because of of the quarterback position at Texas. Will they go to Manning if if is it Murphy if he struggles? You know, they're still. You know, this game opened at eighteen uh, for Texas. I mean, uh, Texas is a favorite, eighteen point favorite, and it hasn't really changed even with the news of, of Ewers being out. So there's a lot of faith there, and I guess probably because it's in Austin. But I mean, if they go into the second quarter and it's only seven to nothing, ten to nothing, you know, and I mean, if they kind of look out of sync because of the new quarterback, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm seeing if they will be out of sync, if there's going to be s- some differences there, you know. And that Murphy, what I hear is a, as le- is as athletic as they can get. So I wonder if the play calling changes to adhere to what he can do. So. Uh, that one really, really interests me outside of the two state teams. You know what's crazy is you think about like BYU, and I mean they just got hammered last week by Kansas State. They're still five and two. It doesn't feel like it. Does. I mean, everyone, when I when I just writes them off, everyone's writing off the new teams, right? Well, because they can't beat they the can't, right. old teams. So they're like, okay, well, if the new team versus an old team, old team's going to win, right? But when I just pulled that up and I saw, huh, six and one versus five and two, I just I would assume yeah. I thought BYU was four and three at least. That's the way they talk about them. But they also, I mean, I, I watched them beat Arkansas, which that's no great shakes at the moment. But at the time, it was like, whoa, hey, look at BYU beating Arkansas. It does just mean more in the SEC. So that win does mean a little more. It was at the time it did. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I almost. To, uh, I'm more intrigued to see if we see Arch. Yeah. What Murphy can do, you know, in the spring game, he lit it up. But it was a spring game. But I'm I'm really intrigued to see if we get to see Arch. Is that what those uh, BMDs paid for? Did they pay for Malik Murphy to fill in for Quinn Ewers, or did they pay for Arch Manning? Again, another intriguing thing is – Will there be the grumblings in the fans? Will there be, come on, it's only seven to nothing. We're middle of the second quarter. Where's Let, Arch? Where's Arch? You're going to hear it. An overthrow on third down, an interception, something. You're going to hear the. Rah, rah. That is, yeah, that's why it's intriguing. Another reason why it's intriguing. Sure. Who Do else bo- plays without looking? Who else plays? West Virginia at UCF, Houston at K State, Iowa State at Baylor. Not a ton. None of those really do anything for me. In the conference. No. Nope. Do we get uh, – do both state schools win? Yes. I think so, too. I do, too. I, I think, think they I take have care a feeling the Oklahoma-Kansas game is going to be close. I got a feeling about that, too. Until I, – I, I don't I, – I, Daniel scares me. The dude like that scares me. And if he's not playing, then – Of course, Oklahoma's won 18 straight against Kansas all by double digits. You give Florida much chance? The outdoor outdoor cocktail party. Um, what is their record? Five and two. See, they're kind of like BYU too, right? Yeah, Kansas they lose five a couple and two. games and then you write them off. So they're not horrible. It's a neutral site. Maybe they come in like oh you did in the Cotton Bowl and go, no one's giving us a shot. Let's go shock the world. So maybe a slim chance, but not much of one. Game of the day: Oregon, Utah. Oregon goes to Rice Eccles Stadium, Salt Lake City. Both teams six and one. Number eight Oregon, number thirteen Utah. Any leans there? Nah, I wanna. I want to say Utah because they're like the the nation's darling this week, and I love love their coach and and everything he's doing there without Cam Rising playing. It's pretty cool, but I think Oregon's just talently more better. I think they can stand up to the in the trenches. Oregon can. USC couldn't. And some of those Pac-12 teams couldn't or can't. But I think I think Utah can stand up to – or I mean, Oregon can stand up to Utah. I think it's going to be a heck of a game. Once again, this, you would think decided quarterback advantage to Utah's opponent. They're running a pig farmer out there as their backup or whatever. Love but that. It doesn't even matter, does it? Love that. Upset alert. You got anybody on upset alert? In the top 25, right. I've got one, and, I, and it, Go hurts, for it. it hurts my heart to think about this happening. But Pac-12 after dark, look out. My beavers have got to be alert 
heading to Tucson against the Arizona Wildcats. Have got to be keep the Beavers alert out in the desert. Anybody else you see? That one scares me. I'm not brave enough to pick Cal over USC, <laughs> even though it is at Cal, but come on. Wisconsin got anything for the Buckeyes? Nah. It's in Madison. Not ready to go there. I'll give you one. It's not much of a risk. How about Colorado over UCLA? Yeah, oh, that'd that be a huge upset because UCLA is at 16 and a half points. Yeah, that would shock favorite. me, actually. Mark Stoops. Could he get it done against Heupel at home? It's a good one. Kentucky against Tennessee. That's a good one. There's another top 25 game, Duke and Louisville. How many people knew that both those teams were ranked? Thought about that one. I think Duke bounces back, actually. I do. Yeah, and Louisville got beat, what, last week or the week before? after week before. After beating um, Notre Dame. Yeah, Pitt got him. And got smoked. Speaking of Notre Dame, they played Pitt. No chance there for Pitt. Okay. No chance for Wake Forest. You're going to get stomped by Florida State. Hmm. Who played last night? Didn't matter. Virginia Tech smoked somebody. Syracuse. By the way, speaking of last night, have you ever seen a Hail Mary more open in your life? Was and it's like Godman. Godwin. What was he doing? Well, he got grabbed first off. I mean, there there was. He turned around and boom, boom. There was borderline assault and battery going on in the back of the end zone and on the goal line, which is why he was wide open in the middle. It almost hit him in the chest. Yeah. He <laughs> so almost saw a, a Hail Mary hit a guy right in the chest. I mean, Baker still has the arm strength. He threw that 60-plus yards. Yeah. And he threw it perfectly where all you got to do is open up your bread basket, let it fall in. <laughs> he he, turned if there around. was a five-gallon bucket, he would have dropped it in there. He turned around about a half second too late to just – Catch the ball in the end zone on Hail Mary. I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen it that wide open like that. Yeah. And he just didn't catch it. That was wild. It's crazy. Wild game. That was an ugly, terrible, awful game. But, uh, Listen, Bill, Bills aren't fixed. I don't Buffalo think, almost messed around and let, and let the Bucks know, beat them. What's going on with them? They, I thought they figured it out. Then you look up and they're all, okay. I thought, all right, they're a two touchdown. They're up two touchdowns. This is over. They're going to run away with this. And they just then quit look, playing look, offense. Yeah. I mean, it, kudos to their punter. I mean, they're in the, the third quarter. Uh, heck, the whole game. Or the whole second half, I mean. The Bucks started inside their 10 on every single drive except for the last one. Even the touchdown drive to pull them within six. They started way – I mean, they were – it was uh, Tampa Bay takes over at the four. Tampa Bay takes over at the six. Tampa Bay takes over at the eight. Because yeah, the, yeah. the punter did a great job for Buffalo until yeah. that last one, and he almost had him at the inch yard line. Yeah, Tampa Bay – had horrible field position all night. All in the second half all for night. sure. Yeah. And the Bills jacked around and almost almost got him beat. I just that was such a wild there was so much pass interference going on in the back of the end zone and the front of the end zone that Godwin was he was wide open considering it being I think he was shocked how hell Mary he was too busy looking for the guy that's gonna interfere with him. And 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 he got grabbed yeah. as he spun around. As he spun around he did. I you know, it's it's like the You need a, he should have sold that more. I was just, waiting for him to put his arms yeah. up like, Whoa. They're never gonna call it. No. But it's it's like at the end of an NBA playoff game. Oh, you gotta let the let the let the, let the players decide yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. What about the player that's trying to shoot it has his arm ripped off? Yeah. It, 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 he's not getting a chance to decide the game either. I mean, I get you don't want to call fouls at the end or whatever, but my gosh, you're, you're letting you're deciding the game by not having it be normal, right? And if anybody wants to act like that, that wasn't pass interference in multiple locations. As far as the law, the the rules go, then you've got your head in the sand. Yeah. I understand that they're not ever going to call it, and I don't know why. Why do teams not just do that? Yeah. Just sling them to the ground. They're not going to call it. It's wild. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. Big Elk TV, Paragon TV, 7 o'clock tonight, high school football. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered.